that if we feel safe with the person, it seems our body will just kind of relax on a cellular level. Hi, I'm Lou. Welcome to season two of Therapy and the Body. One thing we always have during this lifetime is our bodies. They follow us everywhere we go, sensing our excitement, fear, joy, and more. So let's include the body in the therapeutic process. Come with me. Let's explore how together. Shauna Lopresti is a licensed somatic psychotherapist. She obtained a master's degree in somatic counseling psychology from the California Institute of Integral Studies and has completed additional training in relational life therapy with Terry Real, couples therapy, EMDR, brain spotting, and the Tamora method of hands-on therapy. In addition to her therapy experience and training, Shauna has been self-employed over a decade in creative businesses in finance, which makes her well-suited to assist her clients with transforming their relationship with work and money. Shauna believes deeply in human capacity and the power of the felt sense. She enjoys supporting people to get free from the burdens of trauma and create deeply satisfying relationships. She lives in Oakland, where you might find her dancing in the trees or painting trolls. Shauna is my friend, and I can tell you, I have seen her dance in the trees and paint trolls, and she's great at both. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lou. And so today we have you on to share a bit about your journey as a somatic psychotherapist. Mm-hmm. And specifically, how you include touch in your work. Where should we start? Yeah. So how did you know you wanted to be a somatic therapist? How'd that happen? Yeah. How did that happen? That's a great (laughs) question. Well, the whole story about how I became a therapist to begin with is kind of funny because I have a dear friend that I'd been complaining to for years about bookkeeping and how unsatisfying it was. (laughs) And one day she totally put me in an energetic headlock. And she said, I need you to consider becoming a therapist. And I was (laughs) shocked. I was like, oh, you never tell me what to do. I'm going to listen to this. And so I agreed. Wow. Energetic headlock. I've never heard of that. (laughs) She was not going to back down until I said yes. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Damn. Thank goodness for our friends. Thank goodness. Seriously. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so I considered it and I almost immediately thought it was a good idea. Um, But, and my father (laughs) has been a psychologist my whole life. And um, I actively resisted the training, even though I thought I might like this. And then I guess it was about 10 years ago, more now probably, but he started to change when he started learning somatic uh, modalities. And so he'd been the same person my whole life. And then suddenly he started to change and he learned SE and he learned, what's that other one? Um, Sensory motor. Yeah. That one. Okay. Yeah. He had always practiced EMDR, but 
So there was something about that. And then in combination with just who I am as a person that I'm very tactile, I trained as a, a massage therapist, I've been a dancer my whole life. So the way that I interact with the body and the world just felt like, oh, there's something called somatic psychotherapy. That's for me. Mm. Yeah. So it just felt right. And then finding programs and there happened to be one in San Francisco, you know, right next door. Mm -hmm. It's very exciting. I love hearing people's journey who started off doing body work. I think that's so Mm. neat to go from body work to somatic psychotherapy. Mm -hmm. Because as a body worker, I was aware that people had emotional things in their bodies that would come out while I was working on them. But I didn't have a structure for how to deal with that besides just encouraging them to let that release. Right. There's no denying that, huh? Mm-mm. I think every massage therapist knows that. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Okay. How long were you a massage therapist before? You were also a Reiki energy healer, which I did mm-hmm. not know. Oh, yes. <laughs> I don't remember when I got attuned to Reiki. Uh huh. Probably now it's been like 20 years. I didn't do massage that long because I got burned out actually maybe two years and Mm -hmm. I worked at a spa where it was doing a a lot of massage in a row and Uh I couldn't see people uh, over and over again, which wasn't very satisfying. Oh, so you like building relationship. Yes. Yes, I do. Hmm. Cause I think that the real magic happens over time with the safety of the relationship whether it's through body work or through psychotherapy, that seems to be the container which allows depth, depth of healing, depth of connection to happen. So tell me about how you're including touch and psychotherapy. And I'm sure your experience as a body worker informs that as well. A little bit. So I use touch for various reasons. The simplest one would be nervous system regulation, Mm, mm -hmm. which can be so quick to happen. There's something magical about uh, a presence of a touch that if we feel safe with the person, it seems our body will just kind of relax on a cellular level. So sometimes I'll just get someone on the table. I might suggest I do have a table. I might suggest we, we go to the table for whatever we want to do. And so mm-hmm. I might say, can we regulate your nervous system? Would you like to do that on the table? And then I'll just stand next to them and put my hand on their shoulder. And if they're available for it, make eye contact. Some people are, some people aren't. It can be really intense to make eye contact. It's not necessary for regulation. And I always let people know that they're completely in control of what happens. So that's one way that I use touch. I also use it. I, some of these things come from the Tamura method. The way that I use that is the simplicity of the understanding that where there's tension in the body, it's coming from a wounded child part of us. And so when we make contact with that tension in an aware, present way that we have an opportunity to release and calm that child part through the body. 
and that healing's available sort of from the, we say from the bottom up. Yeah. So I don't know anything about the tomorrow method. So mm-hmm. I'm happy to hear anything you want to share about that. I practice it my own way. Yeah. So of course, yeah, <laughs> it's created by a body worker. So uh-huh. he does it a different way than I do. I will be often watching the client as they're talking about something and looking for places where tension might be showing up in their body and then ask them if they feel it, Mm -hmm. what I'm noticing, or we'll collaborate on where the tension actually is. Mm -hmm. And we may talk about what we know about that from a childhood perspective about where that might be coming from in their younger self. And if they can feel that, and if they would like some physical assistance to be with that part of them. And then we might go to the table with that. And the work is really making contact and inviting the client to meet me where my hands are. Mm -hmm. That brings the presence there. Oh, okay. I see. Before you're starting on the couch, mm-hmm. like, like how we imagine therapy to go, mm-hmm. how are you noticing the tension visually, energetically? Great question. Yeah. Both of those. Yes. Yes. Visually and energetically. And that's why I check, you know, I might be wrong about what I'm seeing. So mm-hmm. I ask them what they can feel, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is different than how I was taught. Right. Okay. So I am picking up on the consent, mm-hmm. you know, and the collaboration here, yes. which is really important. A part of our work, I, I share that mm-hmm. also and how I'm using touch with Rush. Yeah. And because I have some massage training, sometimes once we make contact with this younger part, I might do some manipulation of the tissue to help it release. And we also communicate subconsciously with the tissue through imagery. Mm. So I might invite the client to imagine that something is hard in there and becoming soft like butter. So you get present to it and you use imagery. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. It's surprising how it can work. And so is that part of how you help a client to meet you there? Is that what you mean? That is part of it. Mm-hmm. But in the invitation to meet me there, it's just bring your attention here to my fingers. Can you feel my hand here? Can you feel the warmth? Can you feel the pressure? Can you feel this? What is this like? And I have a different energetic experience in my hands when they've done that. Ooh, tell me that. How are you picking up this information, this more subtle information? I have no idea. (laughs) But you just are, huh? I just am. Mm. I just am. Is there there ever any sensation or images that come to you? Or is it like a gut knowing or... Mm-hmm. Good question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, it's uh, intuition and uh, a gut knowing. I'll get a feeling as if sometimes I'm working in one part of the body and I'll get a pull towards another part and I'll ask them, mm-hmm. the client, is there something going on there? Does that feel like a place you'd like me to go? Mm-hmm. Okay. And it can be 
that there's some tension happening there, but it can be also a lack of energy there. Huh? Yeah. It's like, okay, remember your shoulder, my -hmm. hands here. Do you feel your shoulder kind of thing? Mm -hmm. Yes. And sometimes maybe there's no energy at all in the legs, for example. Yes. Mm -hmm. I've noticed that in my work too with touch. Yeah. And I'll use my touch to bring uh, energy down. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because I've also trained in Reiki, I will sometimes use the energy to help pull them their energy down. So share more about that. How are you using Reiki energy healing here? It just happens as soon as I touch someone. I intend to use it usually at the end of a session. I will finish off often at someone's uh, neck or head. Okay. And I'll intentionally allow any energy that wants to go, that their body wants to flow into them. So there's energetic consent as well. I'm always inspired by how we've invested in ourselves and our variety of education and training Mm -hmm. comes through as we sit with our clients, you know, like we're not extracting or compartmentalizing, oh, I'm just a psychotherapist right now. It's only natural that all of your training and skills and intuitive nudges get to come through Mm -hmm. in service. Mm -hmm. The longer I practice, the more I become aware of who I am having a huge impact on the work that can happen. Mm. Presence, my capacity to hold a wide variety of things, my own ability to see and have kindness and compassion for my own shadow, for example. Oh, I love this. Beautiful. So brain spotting. Yeah. Tell us about what you're doing there. So brain spotting was developed from EMDR, which I'm also trained in. And the person who created it was doing EMDR with a client and noticed when you do EMDR, you move your eyes and they noticed that their eyes would get caught across the visual field at one spot over and over again. So he had the client focus on that spot and it unlocked memories that they hadn't found before. Wow. Yeah. And so the client was able to process those memories and have an instant response in their life based on that processing. So that's how brain spotting started. With the tapping into memories that they weren't aware of, are we trusting that the memories that are revealed, the client's ready to receive those memories? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. In brain spotting, there's this dual attunement frame. So the client is being mindful of what's happening inside them. And the therapist is attuned to them. Okay. Quite intensely. And so there's something about the client being mindful of what's happening inside of them that takes them one step back from the thing that's actually happening. So they're not in the memory. They might be experiencing it, but they're aware that they are experiencing it Mm, right now. mm -hmm. It's not actually happening. There's something about that that feels important. 
yes, there's some distance from it. The observer is on board. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. For many people, their processing shows up as somatic experiences and emotions and no memories or no content. Uh Mm Uh-huh. That is also quite possible. It can process things that have happened to us before we've had speech. It can be magical that way. It feels like, oh, I'm doing a process. I have don't even know, need to know what, what this is about or why this is happening. I just need to notice that it is happening oh. and let it happen. When you say that, I just exhale. That's such a relief to hear. Mm-hmm. You know that we don't always have to have a story behind it. Mm-hmm. We can experience something and let it go or move mm-hmm. through it whatever needs to happen without Mm -hmm. analyzing it. Yes. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) Understanding not even required, not even making something that shows up in our psyche as something that necessarily happened to us. Right. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. I feel so inspired by what you're sharing because there's so much mystery in the world and in our Mm -hmm. life and lineage we don't know everything. No. Uh, and so, so this brain spotting makes sounds like it makes so much room for, for mystery. Mm-hmm. It does. Hmm. And the, the thing that has gotten me a little bit hooked on it is the results that can come out of it are quick. They're quite quick and it's, relatively easy for the therapist if you can pay attention. Oh, this is really interesting. Okay. So share what kind of results you've been noticing with brain spotting. Clients who've had difficulty in one arena, maybe their entire life will notice after one session, oh, that's not difficult anymore. Did you say after one session? I did. I did. Wow. And you guys, Shauna is saying this fully grounded with a straight face. She is very clear here. (laughs) I mean, I'm inspired to take brain spotting. There's a book that's called brain spotting where you can read all about how it began and the person who started it. So how long have you been doing brain spotting? 2020. Wow. Okay. So you're completely able to do this on screen. Yes, you are. It's maybe better in person, Mm -hmm. but it's totally possible on the screen. Mm -hmm. Many people do it entirely on the screen. Are you using brain spotting with couples? I don't usually, but there, I have been known to do some interventions with couples Uh using a brain spot. So having them, it's usually in a resourcing fashion, having them remember a time when they felt connected and joyful, and then having them find the eye position that goes with that feeling. Okay. Thanks for sharing that. Cause that gives us a bit more of a sense of what brain spotting is. So now I'm backtracking back to brain spotting. So the idea is that our eye position is attached to specific set of memories. Mm -hmm. And our brain position is attached to how we feel. So where we look affects how we feel. Okay. 
So in the process, you might have someone find a sensation in their body, and then we'll find the eye position that goes with that sensation in their body. Because mm -hmm. there will be a place that feels more intense than other places. I'm describing it very simply here, but. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to get that book. So tell us about how you work with couples. Mm -hmm. As a somatic therapist, one of the things that I'm interested in teaching folks about is to notice their nervous system and their partner's nervous system. Are they calm? Are they collected? Are they able to be present? And if not, how can they either separately or together bring themselves into a state of coherence, basically calm, resourced? The simple definition of being able to notice if you're regulated is, can you think creatively? Oh, that's so good. I am going to put that in my back pocket. <laughs> Can I have a new thought about how to handle this situation right now or what I'm doing? Okay. So that's one way that as a somatic therapist, I'm working with couples. I'm also teaching them about noticing each other's body language and paying attention to it. Being aware about what their body language is communicating to their partner and what their partner's body language is communicating to them. This is good. And so if I find that my body language is communicating something I don't want to be communicating, i.e. that I'm a threat, then I will teach them how to change their body language and be aware of that. So that's one of the ways that somatic therapy comes into couples therapy for me. There are also direct interventions that I might have them do, which is, for example, create a sculpture out of their, to describe what their relationship is like in the difficult moments with their bodies. Yes. So, okay. So they're standing up and making a shape. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is great. Mm -hmm. And then I might have them create a sculpture for how they would like to be in relationship and have them slowly pendulate from one to the other. Do you find that couples are willing to get up and engage in, in a physical way? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mostly if they're in my office, it's harder if they're not. Okay. Yeah. You're obviously using somatic psychotherapy with couples. And I'm wondering what other forms of therapy inform your couple's work? You mm -hmm. said relational life therapy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How does that inform your work? Yeah, it definitely does. There is a, I find that many couples don't know how to be in a secure functioning relationship. And there are skills that I teach them. Mm hmm so there's that framework that goes into it. Mm -hmm. How do we communicate? What are the tools that we need so that we don't escalate conflict? This is making me think of more like a behavioral kind mm -hmm. of model. Definitely, because okay. I find that couples want, need to learn the behaviors that are going to give them the 
connection they want. Yes. And I will say that becoming a couples therapist has made me a better partner. Yes. That is true for myself as well. (laughs) Yeah. The learning goes back and forth. It's like my relationship is informing me as a therapist Mm -hmm. and my clients are informing me as a wife. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Part of what I'm trying to do with couples is create a positive experience for them. And so they learn how to create a positive experience. So in the room, that might mean partner A, you don't rely on partner B. Partner B really wants you to rely on them. Okay. Can partner A lie on partner B? Can you feel supported? Can we let your body have that experience of feeling supported? Can you relax? Let's see if this can happen. Let's see if we can remember this and create Mm -hmm. a positive feedback loop there between the two of them. So how do you balance the individual work that you're doing in couples with their work together? Mm -hmm. When say someone, an individual is uh, dysregulated, I'm then feeling the need to work more individually with both of them Mm -hmm. because they're not able to support each other at that point. Yeah. How do you navigate this or what's your perspective? Yeah. There's so many different ways that I might handle this. Yeah. I'll definitely pause whatever interaction is happening between the two of them to start with and using my regulated calm voice will um, attempt to bring everyone back into a state of regulation, maybe asking the person who's activated if they're, if they can notice what's going on for them and where it's coming from. And I'll often ask permission of the other partner if I can work individually. And in relational life therapy, there is an understanding that part of what we're dealing with in relationship is uh, what Terry Real calls the adaptive child, which is how we learned to cope as a young person when we our needs weren't met. And so in RLT, as they call it, mm-hmm. we do help that person work imaginally with their adaptive child in front of the partner Mm -hmm. because it has two purposes. The person doing the work gets to do the work, but the partner gets to witness and it kind of depersonalizes the behavior that has been coming at them. So they need more understanding. Okay. So there's a version of inner child work or Mm -hmm. parts work Mm -hmm. within the couples therapy here. Mm -hmm. And I think I just want to say, this is kind of separate, but one of my superpowers as a couples therapist is I'm excellent at facilitating heartfelt conversations. Mm. And it's so satisfying because people can, you know, be trying to talk about something seven different ways and have it not feel understood not have the message landed, not feel closer after a conversation where they could. And so I can hold space and coach them through the process to allow that to happen. Beautiful. 
And it's amazing what can happen when you've been holding a, a wound for a long time in a relationship to have it actually connected with and heard, it can heal. And then all kinds of behaviors that were stemming from that hurt can just fall away. Mm, really beautiful. This has been so rich. Thank you, Lou. This has been really fun talking to you. It's been really great to have you. And I love everything you shared and I can't wait to listen to it. Thank you so much for listening to Therapy and the Body. To get in touch with me about trainings, interviews, or private sessions, visit my website at loujacksontherapy.com. Lou is spelt with an L-U.